Welcome to Unscripted, your weekly podcast featuring Kirby Hossman and Bill Petrie, where they talk about all things promotional, marketing, and branding. As always, it's brought to you by Promo Corners Identity Marketing, the interactive tool for promotional products professionals. Now, here's Kirby and Bill. Well, welcome to episode 8,627 of Unscripted. I am your co-host, Bill Petrie, and always with me is my good friend from Coshocton, Ohio. Let's give it up for one Kirby Hossaman. Kirby, how the hell are you? Oh, man, I'm doing exceptionally fine. I'm No, I'm good, man. I'm good, and it's good to uh, chat with you. You doing well? I'm doing all right, hanging in there, and uh, always uh, good to chat with you. And as always, I want to thank you for having the courage to do this podcast with me. And and speaking of courage, Kirby, Mm -hmm. I think we would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge the courage of this week's sponsor of Unscripted, Bay State Specialty Company, because they have the courage to put out a gift collection line that may be the most perfect solution in the industry if you have clients looking for holiday gifts. And I'm sure there are many. Yeah. You know, clients can mix and match popular housewares or cutting boards, utensils, oven mitts, and a whole whole bunch more in an elegant organizational bag for a really unique and a gift that's going to be remembered. So if you have the courage, I encourage you to check them out at baystate.com. And let's face it, it takes a fair amount of courage to associate their name with this. So that's that's important. Uh, that may be the most true statement said in the next 23 minutes, Kirby. Now let me ask you, do you have the courage to lead us off with a topic today? Um, sure. I've got, you know, I've got a few topics here. I'm, um, I, I'll be curious to get some, some feedback from you. So I'll start with one that is um, kind of in the weeds of my business right now. And I'd be curious to get your input. And honestly, I really want the input of the folks listening too. And it's credit card fees. Um, you know, is, is credit card fees. Oh, I was about to do a Johnny Carson credit card fees. So go ahead. Yes. Credit card fees, Kirby. <laughs> well, you know, I know not a super exciting topic, but it, I'd just be curious to hear a, what your opinion is on oh. how things should be handled, but b also how other people are handling them because, I'm looking at um, the financials of our business, and right. man, all of a sudden that starts to add up. And um, so, so my question is, um, I'm seeing more and more um, of the suppliers that we do business with passing along a credit card, you know, just a fee. If we're going to pay, fee. yeah, uh, we're, if we're going to pay with credit card, they're going to add another two or three percent to our bill to do it. And I, I kind of get that, um, and but. Now, on a side note, the ones who say you have to pay with credit card and yes, there's an additional fee, I may have a slight issue with that one. But, um, but the my question is, I'm wondering, do I pass that along to my clients? Is that something that they will they will totally be like, oh yeah, I, I get that? Or you know, the question is, you know, do you pass it along? Do you eat it? Uh, and I'm going to answer your question, Kirby, at a time of my choosing, and I choose to answer it now. So here's what I think. You know, I remember growing up, or when I first started driving in 1986-87, if I bought gas with cash, 
it was one price, and if I bought cash with a credit card, which I didn't have, but it was you know it was like five cents higher. Mm-hmm. And then those fees went away for a long, long time, and now they're starting to come back. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing: I believe we are increasingly in a cashless society, mm-hmm. meaning people don't pay with paper money. People would prefer even not to pay with a, a handwritten check. They're wanting to pay with you know plastic. Mm-hmm. And reconcile it on their own end. So the question you posed is, is a good one. I think it's a pass through. I do think you charge for it, um, unless you decide the two point nine percent or whatever the fee is. I think it's usually around two point nine or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. You know, is it worth it to you to eat the eat uh, three cents out of every dollar to get paid faster? Sure. And that's so that's the million dollar I, question. Yeah, and so I guess here's what I do. You pay me within uh, 10 days, I'll give you a 3% discount. Mm, yeah. You pay me after three days, then I'm gonna, the, the price is X, and I've already built the credit card processing fees in the price, regardless if you pay with cash, credit card, check, or you know gold doubloons. It doesn't really <laughs> matter. But, uh, but I think what it does, that incentivizes the client to pay faster, which as a small business owner certainly helps your cash flow right right? for sure and then it gives them it gives them a discount if they want to take advantage of it if they don't they don't that's what i would do i like that that's a pretty uh, candidly i hadn't thought of that that's um so essentially just it's a three percent it's a price if you pay in in 10 days or less and then there's a price if you'd pay after 10 days yeah that's that's intriguing i'll have to think through the logistics of that because i i mean the, the problem is and i've always made this decision based on that specific transaction and right. most of the time in that specific transaction, I'm like, oh, no big deal. I, I, let's get the cash in, blah, blah, blah. But if you, if you start looking at it over the course of a year, you're going, it's how much? Right. <laughs> the year? But that's what, it's, it's like we have an employee. You want to incentivize the behavior. You want people to pay you faster, reward them for doing so. Mm. And then if they don't want to pay you fast, that's fine. You can, mm. They can be on net 30 or whatever terms you have or whatever company you has. But you're going to pay the credit card processing fees and a couple other things. Absolutely. Yeah. That's intriguing. Okay. I like that. Okay. Um, I appreciate your insight and I'll be curious to get insight from anybody else who's listening as well. But do you have another topic? I, I do. And I'm going to go ahead and ask that topic now, Kirby. Okay. <laughs> so I was thinking, of, you know, we're in the midst of the World Series and by the time this is posted, the World Series will be over one yep. way or the other. Um, I believe it ends Wednesday night if it goes to a game seven. Mm-hmm. I'm always intrigued by where the non-winning sports team's merchandise goes. So <laughs> we have the Cubs playing the Indians in the World Series, and, and they've already printed up a certain number of Cubs win the World Series t-shirts and Cubs win the World – or and Indians win the World Series t-shirts. Sure. And I know they always send that stuff usually to third world countries, right? They don't yeah. destroy the merchandise. They usually send it to a third world country. And so, therefore, I know that there are many children in Africa walking around very proudly with the Texas Rangers World Series Champions <laughs> t-shirt, um, which which warms my heart, quite frankly. Yeah, sure. Um, but I think it's very interesting in the world that we have today where we can really do almost immediate on-demand printing that yeah. this is still an issue. Mm, yeah. Well, I think it, to a degree, it's it's amount the amount of it 
that um, they need that night or whatever. Um, well, you know what but I mean? There's, yeah, but they print out thousands of that stuff for immediate shipping the next day. Maybe not yeah. thousands, but I know they, they print at least a thousand. I mean, they'll start cranking them up right as soon as the World Series ends for the eventual true victor. Yeah, right. But they have got a fair amount of inventory in all different sizes for either team. Yeah, and I guess my question is who pays for that? Like I, I, I'm obviously I'm not I'm totally ignorant of that situation. So, I, I, well, I assume we do at, on some <laughs> level, um, but I guess I just don't understand. I, I fully understand that uh, the winning team needs to don a T-shirt and a hat that says "World Champions." I yep. totally get that. So you're going to have let's say fifty or a hundred on site. I completely one hundred percent understand that. Yeah, but if I'm a fan of the Cubs which I'm completely not, yeah. and I wish I wish generally nothing but failure upon the Cubs, but that's another discussion for another day. Um, but I, I, if I'm a Cubs fan and the Cubs win the World Series, and that's great, fantastic, and I place my order for my World Series champion T-shirt the day after they win, I don't need it the following day, right? I mean, there's, yeah. a, there's a day or two of production I would expect. No, I, I actually agree with you, but it was amazing to me um, after the Cavs won um, how many people were wearing Cavs um, championship T-shirts within the next day or so. It blew well, my then, mind how many were got, in retail. Maybe I got it wrong. Maybe well, I've got it wrong. I, think, I don't know. I just think I just feel I feel like it's a problem that doesn't need to have that doesn't need to happen. No, I well, but I think so many times though we look at it and we're thinking, oh, at the game or at the dude, it's it's retailers who want it. When the mall opens the next day, I know, I know, that's, and that's why there crazy. are so many very happy children in Ghana running around <laughs> with Texas Rangers World Championship T-shirts. Yeah, yeah, that's a I, 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 essentially what you're doing is you're asking Americans to be more patient, and I, I am. I haven't seen that trend in I, my I recent should, history. I, I think we should ask our good friend Marshall Atkinson to get on this immediately. Yeah, right? He seems the kind of guy that can solve this problem right now. So yeah, Marshall, hopefully lunch. you're listening. We need your help. In fact, dare I say it, America needs your help. <laughs> Please. America needs Marshall's help, but I'm not sure this is the number one reason. But that's fine. Uh, you may be underestimating the problem this is. I, I don't know. <laughs> I might be. I might be. <laughs> All right, Kirby, you got a topic for us? Well, let me transition uh, from this, you know, obviously the World Series. I thought it was interesting. Um, we've talked a couple different times, and I've given thought, ironically, to this. Um, so the NFL on Sunday night had Eagles-Cowboys. My hunch is you were watching. Kirby, as it turns out, I was watching, and it was a most glorious victory by. And I, I you know, I, I'm not big into hyperbole, but I believe Dak Prescott may be the greatest quarterback to ever pitch a no hitter in the NHL playoffs. <laughs> That's very impressive. Yeah, no, and he is looking pretty good. But what was interesting to me about that is there was a World Series game that night, um, and the World Series got better ratings. Oh, it didn't just get better ratings. Yeah. It clobbered. Yeah. The Crazy. And, and, and in the same, essentially the same game, all that stuff a year ago, the NFL clobbered. Um, the World Series. Yeah, Major yeah. League Baseball. So um, we've been talking about the uh, NFL ratings decline, and I actually was thinking about it, and I'm like, something popped into my head, um, and I'm curious to get your take on it. I, 
one of the things I think we've talked about scarcity. I think mm-hmm. you are right about that, that there's so much more football. And so that's a problem with them is the value. Well, thank down. you, Kirby. I, I guess, guess that wraps up this and I'm right. So go ahead. Nick. Oh, Nick, you have more to say. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was so, moving on to the next topic because I was right. Yeah. Well, you are, you're right a lot. I mean, um, I don't like to tell you that very often, but it's true. Um, yeah, don't. Yeah, but and and overall, I think the games have been a challenge. I think that's one of the, they just have been the Sunday night, Thursday night games have been bad. But one of the things that pops into my head is it occurs to me that as Americans, our culture is such that we need a character in movies, TV shows, whatever that we like and can associate ourselves with. It's the reason right. that they changed. They changed some of the stuff with the show The Office when it was brought over from the UK that they had to make Steve Carell's character more likable. Right. Um, because Americans – More of a, more of a bumbling buffoon, an angry taskmaster. Right. Because as Americans, we need someone we can like. And one of the problems that occurred to me is that you've got very few people right now in the NFL who are people that the vast majority of who are watching – like and can associate themselves with. Well, what's interesting is, is usually the Cowboys are one of those teams that either someone loves or hates, right? I grew up in Dallas, so I have every I looked it up. I have every legal right to root for the Cowboys, so <laughs> sure. um, I'm not a bandwagon guy. I've suffered through the Quincy Carter era, so um, and the uh, Steve Pelour era. So don't don't start with me on that. But uh, you know, it's like Notre Dame or even the Chicago Cubs, right? Yeah. It's a team, or you know, people either love or love to hate. Um, I, I think the NFL's problem is, is a couple of things. I do think it's scarcity, which I know we both agree on, so I'm not going to beat that dead horse. But I also think the quality of the product has really suffered. Oh, man. Um, if, if, you know, I, I've gone back and forth in my lifetime. I've always loved football, mm-hmm. but I've gone back and forth in my lifetime. Am I more of a college fan or am I more of an NFL fan? And until I would say two years ago, I was much more of an NFL fan that I felt like I don't care who's playing. I can sit down and, and enjoy the game. Right. I don't I don't feel that way anymore yeah. um, about uh, professional football. Now, college football, um, unless it's like some horrible team like the Ohio State <laughs> University, um, <laughs> I can sit and watch that and be very entertained, right? Sure. But I think the quality of the product is suffered. I mean, if you look at the games on Sunday, and, and granted, this past Sunday, the NFL had great games yeah, for the first time really this year. But you had the Oakland Raiders had 23 accepted penalties against them, which is, the, is, is, a, is a record. That's how I mean. How many? That's accepted penalties. That's not counting the five or six that were declined. Yeah. You know, the Cowboys were penalized eleven times, and I think we're in an era right now where the officiating has moved away from let them play to this ticky tack. Um, if you grab, if you even put a fingernail on that jersey, that's defensive holding. Right. And. It, it, it kills the flow of the game. Yeah. And so it's very difficult to watch, I, I think, unless you have a rooting interest. Mm-hmm. I, I don't – so I, I think the NFL is really struggling with that. And then the, I think the biggest problem is those horrific color rush uniforms they throw out <laughs> every Thursday night. Uh, I do live in Tennessee, and, and I, I don't mind powder blue, but I don't think the Titans should be wearing powder blue. And good Lord, if I have to watch the Jaguars play in mustard-colored uniforms ever again, 
I am seriously going to destroy my TV, mail it to the NFL, and demand a full refund from Roger Goodell himself. <laughs> well, it, it, it is funny, I mean, to watch this because NFL's been at the top of the mountain. I, from my perspective, I always like to try and draw some kind of lesson. And, you know, I think at the end right. of the day, the, it, no matter how good or your how powerful your brand is, if your product starts to decline, people notice. And, yep. um, and we still need to, whether you're, again, whether you're the NFL or whether you're, you know, here in the promotional products industry, you need to be likable. Um, people want like to deal with people they like. You know, you're exactly right, Kirby. And I think when you, you know, look, even the Roman Empire fell and you're, you have a, a sport that has, it's violent. It's going to remain violent. You can't legislate violence out of the, out of football and you might quite possibly have the least likable commissioner in all sports running the running the league. So I think the NFL has got its challenges cut out for them and the quality of the product is suffering as well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right, man. We've, we've, I think we've beaten that horse. What, what do you got next? Go Cowboys. Um, <laughs> so I, I was looking at uh, kind of my bandwidth in mm-hmm. uh, the spirit of being very honest on this podcast which I did with everything that happened with my wife and her health share. I have content marketing fatigue. Uh, And I don't know. I'd really be curious to see what what our listeners feel about that. But I absolutely have content marketing fatigue in terms of not reading content, but producing it. So I I was looking at what my output is on a monthly basis. And if we assume there's an average of 22 days of work, in a given month, I have new content, and, and part of that is this podcast. Right, it comes right. out every Friday. I have my blog on my website that comes out every Monday and Thursday. So that's three days every week you're getting content from me, or partially from me. Yep. Then every Tuesday, I've been producing the Petri Dish, which is where, our, if you're unfamiliar with it, it's where I take four or five articles that revolve around the personal products industry and write a few snarky sentences about it. And I, <laughs> in a, I, I have a, there's a must-read article of the week, and then there's one that don't waste your time. So that's every Tuesday. So now every single week, four days out of the week, you have new content from me. Okay. Then you add the fact that I write an article for Distributor Central every month. I write an article for uh, Identity Marketing's promotional uh, promo, promo corner every month, yep. and then we have salt and pepper. Yep. On any given month, I produce seventeen new pieces of content out of twenty-two days. Man, and that is way, way, way too much. And I don't care if you love me or you hate me; it's way too much. And I just know from a bandwidth perspective. It's too much. And so I'm kind of at a crossroads with my content marketing and what I want to do as we kind of start looking forward to 2017. I mean, here we are in November. Yeah. So I'm kind of at a crossroads there. And I wonder what your thoughts are on that. Because I feel, honestly, I feel at this point I might be overexposed. Mm. Not like that, ladies. Not like that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's curious. I, so I would say there's, there's kind of a couple different avenues here. Number one, I don't know that you're overexposed because I think so many times we look at, you know, the stuff we're creating a little bit myopically. Um, you know, it feels like a lot of exposure to us, but in reality, you know, every person isn't seeing every piece of content. And so from that perspective, I wouldn't worry about it. But more to the point, 
I think it's more about your bandwidth. And I think that part of the reason that we do content and we, we create content marketing is to um, obviously to provide value, but there is the level of, hey, I would like this to produce um, activity in the form of profitable business. And I think that, you know, when you get to a point where, gosh, this is creating profitable business, I think we all need to look at the thing that, you know, butters our bread, for lack of a better term, and then just make decisions and see where we get the most value out of it. So, I mean, the the challenge is, it's like, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm, I'm sort of having a similar internal discussion to go, okay, I don't want to quit just because I'm tired. You know, it's you quit because you're done, I think I've heard you say. But, right. Yeah. You don't. You don't stop when you're tired. You stop when you're done. Right. But there is a point at which you're the person who decides when you're done. Right. So yeah. It's it. The balance is to go. Okay. To be intentional about it. To go. Well, I am going to back off on this, but it's because of this reason, as opposed to. All right. I'm just not getting out of bed today. No. And I. And you make a great point, Kirby. And, and I think I. What I've decided. To do at least on, and the only thing I'm going to discuss on this is really what I'm going to do with my personal blog is I'm going to back off to once a week. Yeah. Um, because I feel that the quality is suffering. Mm. When I'm sitting, and I love to write. If I didn't love to write, I wouldn't be able to produce the content that I do. But I feel like, much like the NFL's product, I think my product is suffering. Mm. And uh, when I'm sitting at a computer, trying to force myself to write something it's not meaningful it's not purposeful i i it's just it's not doing it for me right. you know um and so i'm gonna back off to once a week on my blog um I'll probably just pick a day i don't know what day it's gonna be and just just see how that goes but uh i'd be curious to hear from our listeners yeah because you know, there's a lot of great content out there. You put out great content. Marshall Atkinson puts out some great content. Patrick Black puts out great content. You know, there's a lot out there. Mike Schenker puts out great content. And so, uh, you know, I, how much bandwidth do people have to read this stuff, or listen to this stuff, or watch this stuff? Um, just interesting, I guess. I, I like I said, I, I I had an epiphany over the weekend because I spent. And, you know, we talked about the NFL. Right. I, I, I worked from eight, uh, 8 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, skipped church, and worked until about 4.30 in the afternoon. Yeah. Because I had deadlines for articles I needed to write. I had other things I needed to do for some of the other not-for-profits I, I work with. And I was like, wow, this is not what I want to be doing every Sunday. And it's about <laughs> the third Sunday in a row I've done it. Yeah. No, and I think I, I think that you're being smart about just being introspective about okay, what brings the most valuable value to my audience, but also to you. I mean, at the end of the day, that's why you create a business. No, exactly, and, and I want to be very careful of burnout. Yeah, exactly. No, it, it makes total sense. Well, speaking of uh, uh, wrapping up some content, I think we are at a point where we can probably do that with this podcast, if that's cool. Okay. No, I think it's great, but I, I think one thing we should wrap up are our Christmas presents. Yes. And, you know, this week's sponsor of Unscripted has been a state specialty company, which I believe I mentioned at the top of the hour and the courage they have to be part of this particular <laughs> piece of content. But if you're looking to wrap up your holiday gifts with a really pretty bow on top, uh, Kirby and I highly recommend you visit Bay, Bay State's gift collection line yep. uh, on baystate.com because you can mix, mix and match those very oh-so-popular 
products, cutting boards and oven mitts and any sort of kitchen utensils. It's a truly unique and it's a gift that's remembered. It'll make your clients say thank you for giving me advertising. So check it out at basestate.com. All right, man. Well, hey, thanks for uh, taking this uh, little journey with me today. And uh, uh, let's, uh, let's do it again next week. Sounds good, Kirby. Always a pleasure. Have a great week. You too. Once again, thank you for listening to Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. As always, brought to you by the good people at Promo Corners Identity Marketing, the interactive tool for promotional products professionals.